0: Hear the word of the Lord. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead... If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But, as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who would receive the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said that through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invo- invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith, He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood, so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of god this is the word of the lord
1: i wonder what do you find hardest uh in the christian life i look around here and see lots of parents of young children i remember when I, i had young children we got four kids rachel and i um and they're all sort of teenagers now and um I remember when they were young, the two hardest commands I found to obey were be patient and do not murder. <laughs> I remember saying that to a group of, there was all these sort of Fijians there and I thought, they're going to murder me after this for saying that. And I talked to them afterwards, and I said, I was really worried that you're going to murder me. And they're like, oh, no, we love our kids, but we want to murder them as well. <laughs> and now that I've got teenagers, uh, the temptation is even greater. I wonder what you find the hardest i think as i go on in the christian life i think it's persevering it's keeping going it's keeping trusting jesus obeying him because i feel like the longer i live the more more people i see sadly give up on jesus i i think of childhood friends Kids from youth group, members of my family, or even people from the Bible college I went to that have given up on Jesus. For some, it's intellectual problems. For some, it's moral failures. For others, life just becomes too much. It's too much. Just following Jesus is just too hard. What about you? Uh, Are you tempted at times... To give up on Jesus. Well, if you are, I want to say that you're not alone. It's not abnormal. Now, there may be... I remember uh, preaching on this at a, at a chur- at our church, actually, and a lady came up to me afterwards and said that you're being too negative and I feel it's my pastoral obligation to come up to you and tell you that you're being so negative. And I listened and felt like um, <coughs> doing something that was... Not godly, um, but, um, but she's right. For some of us, following Jesus is a, is a delight. It, and I remember my grandmother, every, every Sunday at church, she would say to the minister, isn't it great to be a, to be a Christian? Uh, and and, that's, that, and some of us are like that, but, but I reckon for all of us, there'll be points in our life where we are tempted to give up. Because it's hard. It's a battle. We, we battle. We've got the world around us, uh, which seems to be moving more away from Christianity every day. We have our sinful nature within us. Uh, we have the devil whose, life in, whose goal in life is to cause us to fall. The, the pressure we face is enormous. But we're not alone in this struggle. It's a struggle that's been going on for Christians throughout the ages, And the Christians in the first century were going through this struggle as well, that the writer um, of Hebrews is, is writing to them. They also shared this struggle. They too wanted to give up on Jesus. Their particular struggle was that to be Christian meant that they were going to suffer more persecution. And the real temptation for them was to go back to Judaism because life would be so much easier. But the writer of the Hebrews wants to persuade them again and again that, no, don't go back. Stick with Jesus chapter after chapter. He tells them that in Jesus they have everything they need from God. Jesus is God's final word. Jesus is God's final salvation. And that Jesus will soon return to bring salvation to those waiting for him. And so in chapter 10 of Hebrews, verse 36, he says to them, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. He urges them to keep going. Why? Because Jesus will return. And Jesus will bring salvation. It's imperative, it's it's vital, it's life and eternity critical that they keep. don't give up on Jesus because Jesus will return. And in chapter 10 verse 37, because for in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. The overarching reason is that the truth and reality is Jesus is going to return. It's not that we follow Jesus because it's fun or or hip or trendy or it's a, a good lifestyle choice. It's because it's the truth. Jesus is going to come back and bring salvation and judgment. And so they need to keep going, keep persevering. But how is the question? How are they to push on? How are they to keep going when it's so hard and painful and it's a struggle? Well, before I tell you the answer, I want to ask you another question. How does a marathon runner, who's absolutely exhausted at the 40 kilometre mark, keep going those last two kilometres? I work with uni students when they've they've got their 5,000-word essay and they've done 4,000 words. How do they keep going? Or a mother who's in labour and she's been in pain for five hours. How does she keep going? I want to suggest it's how we keep going in any endeavour when it gets hard. It's we look to the goal we think just only two kilometres to go. Or we might just think 100 metres, another 100 metres. Or we just think a 1,000 words. Or this child will be so worth this pain I'm going through now. It's focusing on the goal that keeps us going. It's thinking, meditating, remembering, being reminded of why we're doing this. And that I want to suggest is what he says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the confidence or assurance of what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. I want to suggest that they, were to, they, were, they looked forward to their goal, to their hope. And that's what we're to do as well. That's what it means to live by faith. It's to look forward, to trust, to believe, to live for what we don't see now, but we know that God has promised Faith is being sure, confident of, of our hope and certain of what we don't see. Being sure and confident of that. Now, faith, unlike a lot of people think, faith is not opposed to reason, but it is a, it is in contrast to sight. Faith is it's something we don't have yet, we don't see, but we have confidence that it's going to come. And so we're to be sure and certain of that. And it's the glorious hope I want to suggest. It's a glorious hope that Jesus Christ will return. And for those who long for that day, who love Jesus, who are trusting in him, he will take them to be with him in his glorious new heaven and earth. We're to be sure and confident of that hope. And so he says in chapter 10, verse 37, for in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay but my righteous one will live by faith and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back but we do not belong to those who shrink back are destroyed but to those who have faith and are saved can I ask you are you sure and confident that, that God will fulfill his promises and that Jesus will return or if you're like me Is it something you've forgotten about? Well, we're to be sure and confident of that. I want to suggest, I think for most of us, I may be wrong, and forgive me if I am, but I think we often don't think much about Jesus' return. I know that's my case. I reckon it's a bit like this. Imagine you win a great prize. You get this... uh, The NT News puts on this competition... And it's, you, can, you get, let's say, $15,000 spending money. Uh, you've got three weeks, and they'll pay for flights wherever you want to go in the world. So you got this. You can go anywhere you like in the world. You've got your $15,000 spending money. We, we'll make it US. Um, and so you, you win this prize, you're so happy, you spend months and months thinking about where you're going to go, planning it all out, so you make the most of these three weeks and you, you've worked out, you're going to ca- travel to 57 countries and you're going to see everything and you're going to spend all the money. And... Now imagine the day arrives and you're so excited, you've packed your bags, you've got your passport, uh, you've got all your gear, you turn up to Darwin Airport and you've got a couple of hours to wait and while you're waiting, you start to, you know, you get a coffee and then you go look into the, in, that, in that sort of bookstore and you think, gee, this is pretty nice here at Darwin Airport. I'm just going to stay here for three weeks. It'd be crazy. But I want to suggest that's what we're like with heaven. We, we forget the real goal, the real destination. We get so caught up in the here and now. I think sometimes heaven's like a, it's in the background, it's a bit like an insurance policy that you've got your car insurance and your, um, your house insurance and you've got your, your eternity insurance in there that you, you pull it out when you need it. But it, it's not to be in the foreground, it's to be something that's in the forefront of our minds, we're to be proactively thinking about and unsure and confident of that, meditating on it. And often when we don't, God in his kindness often causes stuff to happen that reminds us of it. Someone will get sick or, or some, some uh, tragedy or some challenge or some trial. And it's God's kindness to bring us back, to remember, to put our hope and focus on heaven. I can't remember who it was, but one of the Puritans used to spend an hour a day meditating on heaven. So how are we to persevere? The answer is by faith. It's by looking forward to God's, what God has promised us. Well, to encourage these, uh, the, the Christians that are going through these trials, the writer of the Hebrews uh, spends a whole chapter on faith, describing the men and women of faith and who kept going. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to spend detail on every verse or we'd be here for uh, a few weeks. Um, there's so much in there and you can, you can read it and reflect on it. I just want to highlight four things that this teaches us about faith. So just four things about faith that we see here in this, in this uh, chapter. Number one, we see that faith trusts God's word and acts accordingly often despite the circumstances. So faith trusts God's word and acts accordingly, often despite the circumstances. We see there when God told, God told, when God told Noah to build an ark, he did it. Even though he would have been the only guy in town with an ark or a boat or anything like that, he was miles from any, any sea, it would have looked crazy. But he trusted God and obeyed despite what it looked like. When God told Abram to leave his land and his family, he did it. When God told geriatric Abraham and barren Sarah that they would have a child, they believed it. Uh, And it goes on. They all trusted God's word and acted according to what god had to say often despite the circumstances i want to suggest that's in many ways that's something we as christians today are going to have to do more and more as our culture society moves away from christianity and those the values that we share we're going to look weirder and weirder and stranger to those around us but Faith trusts God's word and acts in light of God's word and and responds to that, not what those around us think. And so when we struggle with that, remember these guys. Remember Noah and his ark and how stupid he would have looked. Remember Abraham and Sarah in their retirement village waiting for a child. So that's the first thing. Faith offers... Faith trusts God's word and acts accordingly, often despite circumstances. Secondly, faith offers no guarantees in this life. In this life, living by faith offers no guarantees, no certainties of a good, happy, pain-free life here and now. Let's just look at the first three men of faith and listen to what happened to them. The first one is Abel. Abel had faith, and what happened to him? He died. Abel had faith, and he died. The next guy, Enoch, Enoch had faith, and he didn't die. He went straight up to heaven. And then, thirdly, Noah. Noah had faith, and everyone else died. So that pretty much covers all the different circumstances. For some in this chapter, they trust. Their trust in God led to great, uh, great things in this life. Have a look at verse thirty-three. He says, who, through faith, so he's talking about, uh, and what more do I say? I do not have time to tell about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, about David, Samuel and the prophets, who, through faith, conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle, and so on. So for some they conquered some closed the mouths of lions some uh even the smell of smoke wasn't on them when when they went into the fiery furnace but for others things didn't turn out quite so good in verse 30 second half of verse 35 there were others who were tortured ...refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. they were sworded in two, they were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. Some conquered with the sword, some were killed by the sword. Some had the mouths of lions closed, others were eaten by lions... Faith is no guarantee of a good, happy, prosperous life now. And we need to beware of those preachers that want to say otherwise. Now faith guarantees aren't now, but this is different in the future, because faith's goal and guarantees are heavenward, which brings us to our third point. So the second point was faith offers no guarantees in this life. Thirdly, Faith's goal is heavenward. Look at verse 10. Talking about Abraham. Uh, for he was looking forward to the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Abraham was looking forward to something beyond. Down in verse 16. Instead, they were looking, longing for a better country, a heavenly one. They were looking for another country, a heavenly one. In verse 26, Moses regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. And 35, the second part there, there were others who were tortured, refusing to be released, so they might gain an even better resurrection. So we see here that there, these, uh, those of faith um, were, were looking forward to something beyond this world. That's where their ultimate security and hope lay. And it's this same hope that we share with them. And I think that's what he's talking about in verse 39 to 40. These are all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they be made perfect. So they too shared this same hope that we have of heaven, of this future. And so faith's goal, faith's guarantee is heaven. And then finally, face object is Jesus. You see, when it comes to faith, what's important about faith is not the amount of faith that you have, but it's what your faith is in. Um, that's the key. Now, I'll give you an example. I've got two of my two oldest sons. My oldest son, Jaden, is really confident and when they were younger, they used to, used to like building things. Now imagine, Jay, uh, and when they were younger, we we're going to send them over to Cairns to visit their grandparents. And so we're going get, to get them two tickets on Qantas to fly to Cairns uh, and visit their grandparents, and, and that was the plan. Now imagine Jaden comes up and says, Dad, can I, just have, can I just pocket the money? Don't buy me a ticket. Just give me the cash, and I'm going to make my own aeroplane, and I'm going to get there on my own. I've already got the plan, and so he does it. He he goes into my shed and gets some wood out and some wheels, and he builds this plane that he's totally confident is going to get into to Cairns. Whereas Toby, he he decides, that, well, he he goes goes. He's, he's anxious, he's nervous, but he's going to take the ticket and go on Qantas. Who's going to get there? Well, Jaden's probably not going to get off the ground. With all his confidence, it, the confidence, it doesn't, it's not going to get him to Cairns at all. Whereas Toby, he might be nervous and scared and unsure, but if he gets on the plane, it's the plane that's going to get him there. And it's the same with us. It's not about how much faith we have in Jesus. It's about that our faith is in Jesus. which is such good news. And so in chapter 11, the writer has listed this honour board of God's people who've continued to trust God and persevere till the end. And he's put them there to inspire us, to learn from them, to encourage us, to keep going. That, and like I said, it, it, it's worth looking at it in more detail than we've given it. But what we have seen is that faith trusts God's word and acts accordingly, often despite the circumstances. Faith offers no guarantees in this life. Faith's goal is heavenward and faith's object is Jesus. Well, having shown them these examples to encourage them, he just does, I want to suggest, three other things to help them to keep persevering. And we see this uh, in chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. So just three things. And here we're seeing a picture of a marathon. Since we're surrounded, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw uh, So it's like a picture of someone running a marathon. And, and the first thing he says is to throw off. If you're running a marathon, I haven't run a marathon. I'm never going to run a marathon. The longest I've ever run is about five kilometres, and that nearly killed me. Um, some people are just good at that sort of stuff. But if you're going to mar- run a marathon, I reckon you, you're not going to wear a big jacket and jeans and big boots. Um, you're going to throw. Off, you're going to have the bare minimal, um, and you're also not going to sort of tie your, your feet up with rope and put things there. They're going to trip you over, and that's what he's talking about here. Since we're he says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And so here he's saying that if if we 're trying to run towards Jesus to live his way then sin 's going to well running the other way is not going to help us but also there 's things that aren 't just sin there 's also things that hinder us um, that can just sort of hinder our walk and there 's a lot of things like that isn 't there um, in our culture a lot of things that they 're not sin and of themselves, but they can just hinder our devotion I, I know for me you know a lot of the my phone and a lot of the uh, some of the social media and different things there they're not they 're not bad in of themselves, but they can hinder us there 's a whole lot of things that can can hinder our devotion can hinder our walk, and certainly sin does not help us in our walk so he's saying first thing we 've got to do is throw that stuff off secondly where 're to run or let us run with perseverance or let us run with endurance now we're, we're going to look a little bit this more next week in Romans 5, but it comes up a lot about the Christian life. It's about keep going. It's hard. It's going to be painful. Keep running. If you're in a marathon, how do you keep going? You, well, you've got to keep running. Keep running through the pain. It's going to be hard. Keep going. And then thirdly, so we're to throw off everything, run. And as we run, as you look ahead when you're running, We're to look ahead to Jesus, as in verse 2. Fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, we're not to fix our eyes on Jesus as our example. He doesn't say that here. As the one we've got to copy, he's not saying that here. But instead, he says, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Why do we look to Jesus? To remember. Jesus has authored, pioneered, perfected this faith for us because we can't. The great good news of Christianity is that Jesus has done it all for us. He's the perfect servant. He's the perfect priest. He's the perfect everything for us. And he dealt with, he's the perfect sacrifice for us. And so we need to keep looking to Jesus every day to remember that good news, that it's not because of what I do, but it's because of what Jesus has done. And he's done it for me because I couldn't. And it's that, as we keep remembering that each day, it's that that's the spur us on to keep living out what he's done for us. Let me finish reading verse 36 and 37. Friends, me included, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you'll receive what he has promised. Because in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. Let's pray. Father God, thank you uh, for this chapter and these examples that you give us to help us. I do pray for us that you might help each one of us uh, to keep going. Those, Particularly those that are really struggling, help them to also know that you're with us. You're with us in the struggle. You go before us. You hold on to us. You carry us when we can't. Help us to support one another, encourage each other in this. And by your spirit, strengthen us in this and help us to keep looking to Jesus and remembering what he's done to free us, to forgive us, to make us Make us your children and to rest in that and rejoice in that and in your power to seek to keep putting one step forward, to keep enduring as we long for his return. And we pray it in his name. Amen.